0: morning, Springbrook Community Church. It's so wonderful to see you all here this morning. Uh, If you're watching online with us, uh, we want to extend a special welcome to you. We're so glad that you're watching. Uh, We have a a button there for you to connect with our online hosts. They're available to pray with you, answer questions, anything that you may need. Uh, We'd love it if you would just comment, let us know that you're watching, who you are, uh, where you're watching from even, um, and uh, just give us an opportunity to see who you are and uh, where you're connecting from. Um, this morning we just are so excited to get into a time of worship I just want to invite you all to stand uh, I want to mention too that uh, um, as we sing Just let these, these uh, lyrics just kind of dwell in your being And uh, we bring all sorts of things with us into this sanctuary uh, Good and bad um, Our weeks are filled with highs and they're filled with lows But God delivers us from, uh, from the lows And he's with us to praise on the mountaintop And so let's praise him this morning
1: kindness is you. Ask.
2: amen. Jesus' way is better, isn't it? This morning we come together to uh, to celebrate uh, communion as a church family. We do that at the beginning of every month, and we're so glad that you're with us today as we celebrate um, Communion Sunday. And so we've got uh, the communion elements that are up at the front. And at any point during this next song, you want to make your way to the front, you can take the communion elements uh, back to your chair and you can uh, take those as the Lord leads. And if you do have gluten allergies, I know we have some gluten-free options for you at the end of the tables on your left and your right. And if you're unable to make your way to the front, you can just raise your hand and a member of our communion team will bring communion to you. If you're watching online, we're glad you're with us as well. Today we're celebrating the hope that we have in Christ. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning because of the finished work of Christ on the cross, we have hope. And so we come to this morning to, to celebrate both Christ's sacrificial death on the cross for us that paid the penalty for our sins so that we can have the, the full life that he promised us today. And then we also come to celebrate the reality that we have a home that is not of this world. We have a future home Christ is going to come back and he's going to gather all those that believe in him to spend eternity with him in heaven. And so we're celebrating that as well. But we're not just waiting around for heaven. We, we have life and we have life to the full today. And so that's my prayer for each of us, that as we move through this communion time, that we would have an ever-increasing sense of his presence in our life. We are praying for more of the power of the Holy Spirit working in our life uh, this year. And so as we move through communion this morning, uh, it's an opportunity for us to pray for more of the power and presence of Christ in our life. The disciples weren't quite sure what was going on at the very last supper when Jesus was sitting with them around that table at that last supper. But we know how the story ended today, and so we celebrate that. When Jesus was with the disciples at the dinner table, he lifted up that bread and he broke it. and He said, this bread is reflective of my body, which was broken for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Whenever you eat this bread do this in remembrance of me. And then after he had finished eating, he lifted up the cup and he said, this cup is reflective of my blood that was shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Whenever you eat this bread or you drink this cup, do this in remembrance of me. And so as we participate in communion this morning, let's give thanks and remember the work that Christ accomplished for us on the cross. Father, I just want to thank you for this day you've given us today. I thank you for the finished work of Christ on the cross. I thank you for the hope that we have as a result of that work. And God, I pray for my friends this morning that as we move through this morning, that they have a a sense of your presence in their life. God, I pray that that would sustain us and carry us through uh, the next week. And uh, we look forward to all that you have for us. God, we commit this morning to you for you and for your glory. We pray all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.
1: kindness Torn through the shadows of my soul The work is finished The end is written Jesus Christ
0: Father yeah, we come to you in the most humblest of form this morning you paid the ultimate sacrifice for the beings who you created you paid the sacrifice so that you could spend forever with us Father you did that for those who didn't deserve it for those who betrayed you and sinned against you But God, you still want a relationship with us. Even though we have this free will, this gift of free will that sometimes maybe we don't even know what to do with, Father. You've given us a relationship with our Savior. God, we thank you and we bless your name for that this morning. In no way could we imagine what it was like to give your one and only son to be sacrificed for us. And the cries that came from heaven that day, the sorrow that would build only to have an everlasting hope, an everlasting joy, Only a few days later. God, we are so grateful, so humbled, and honored by what you've done on the cross. We thank you this morning. We continue to live a life of praise. And utilize every breath within our lungs. speak into those around us. We thank you. We pray all this in your name. Amen. You may be seated.
3: Hey, good morning, and welcome to Spring Book. We're glad that you're here worshiping with us. My name is Jeff. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, If you're here with us, there's a number of ways in which you can communicate that to us. Um, We have some cards if you're here with us physically at the end of the aisles. If you're online, you can use the online connection card, you know, or you can, you know, speak with some of the people who are in the chat there, you know, they're there to talk with you and pray for you, certainly. Um, if you want to text us, we have something a little bit different, you know, this week. If you're a regular attender, you know, of Springbrook, you can just text here to the eight four four two three eight seven five zero seven. or if it's your first time, you can text the you know, first time or new to that 844 number, and so we'd be happy to get to know you and to connect with you in that way if you're here with us, you know, you're the first or second time, so... I just wanted to let you know about a few things that we have coming up. After the second service here today, we have another um, an info session for our Guatemala trip. You know, that's occurring at the end of, you know, June of this year. And so, you know, here in the first service, if you want to, you can finish, you can stick around, you can go get breakfast or coffee or something and come back to be part of that, you know, after around, you know, noon or so. Uh, but we're going to be talking about um, those, you know, who are committing and then taking the next steps towards what we need to do in order to participate in that trip in June, and so um, you can communicate with us a couple of different ways. You can talk to Mike or, you know, Kyle, uh, you know, Smoot, who's also intricately involved with that. Um, you can go to springbrook.org forward slash Guatemala or text, you know, missions to that 844 number, and then uh, that way you can communicate, you know, any questions or um, you know, decisions that you may have, you know, for us, so Um, also, uh, coming up on March 9th, I'm very excited. The guys had their turn yesterday. Ladies, you have your turn coming up on March 9th when Aspire, you know, is here. Um, they have a Bible teacher, they have a comedian, and then they have a musician. And so it's a great time for you guys, for you guys, excuse me. That was yesterday. I need to make sure for you ladies, you need to be able to come (laughs) and enjoy your community together. Um, We're going to try and, you know, have some, you know, snacks and different things, you know, for you. And so um, it should just be a great time. Um, You can actually see us in the uh, office there, you know, myself personally about, you know, tickets, um, because you guys are, you ladies are attenders of Springbrook. Be careful with my pronouns again here. Um, because you ladies are attenders of Springbrook, we actually give you a group, you know, pricing. So if you want to save you know, a little bit of money on a regular ticket, you can come uh, visit Barbara in the office or talk with me about that, and we'd be happy to, you know, help you with those. Um, also, we need some uh, ladies in order to serve on that evening. And so, you know, we have a ticket for you if you're willing to do so. Not a lot that's involved with that. Um, you know, greeting people or, you know, uh, selling some of the merchandise for some of the performers. So um, certainly get in touch with me or our D. Dubrock, who is our... Uh, in terms of our women's ministries here, if you have, you know, interest or questions along those lines. And lastly, um, if you took baby bottles in the past couple of weeks, this is just a reminder that we need you to bring those back next week. And so, if you're like me, it probably works best just to go to Saturday evening before you come back to church next Sunday and to set a reminder for you in order to put that with your Bible and the other stuff that you bring with you on Sunday morning so that you bring back those baby bottles filled with your coins or uh, you know cash or checks or whatever that you put in there and then you know out in the foyer there'll be a place for you to put those but we do uh, need to have those back you know by next week Uh, we're also here you know during the week if you want to bring it back early because you don't trust yourself to remember Sunday morning like myself as well you can certainly do that and you know we'll be happy to put it where it goes and take care of it for you but but thank you for donating to that cause and and so we appreciate that And so now, um, I had mentioned that the guys had their time yesterday, and so we have, you know, a story that, you know, came out of that, you know, wonderful time that we had together yesterday as men. And so, you know, please, you know, enjoy that from a friend of mine.
4: Hi, fellow Springbrookers. My name is Darren Jocelyn. Myself and my family have been attending Springbrook since 2004. I've been involved in different ministries over the years, and most recently am a small group coach, as well as the men's ministry leader. What am I thankful for? Well, first and foremost, I'm thankful for my lovely wife, uh, who has been a total gift from God uh, and has been a tremendous mother to our children. I'm thankful that my two boys, who are uh, now young men, attended our No Regrets Conference today, um, so always good to see them. Um, and I'm very thankful that as a church, we have uh, the provisions from God to be able even to host an event like No Regrets, to bring uh, men together and to worship and um, build our relationship with God. What am I looking for this next year? Well, I can tell you what I am very happy for is that my share my story is done. Uh, and I will tell you as much as I really wasn't so happy about doing it, wasn't so bad so I would like to encourage you all to, if you haven't to actually go ahead and share your story um, but as far as a men's ministry I'm really looking forward to the spirit you know kindling the fire within men's hearts here at Springbrook to really build the relationship uh, that Jesus wants us to have with him to you know, reach out and join a men's small group if they're if you're not in one to um, you know take the opportunities to come together as men. Iron sharpens iron, men together, you know, it's going to make us better, uh, better followers of Christ. Uh, So, really looking forward to how the Spirit is going to make that happen here, and really looking to how men of this church can help each other, help our church, and to serve our community better.
2: Thanks, (laughs) Darren. I met a uh, young man at the No Regrets Conference uh, yesterday, and he was an auto mechanic, and so we started sharing stories about um, working on cars before they had computers, (laughs) just like a carburetor, some jets, and so it was really fun getting to kind of connect with him, and I was reminded about a time that my dad and I, we built the motor of an old Volkswagen. And so uh, we pulled that motor out, and so we were comfortable working around motors, but Volkswagen's were different, the motors in the back. And so we took the motor apart, and we were laying the parts out and uh, just trying to make sure we're going to be able to put it back together, right? And so uh, we took that thing apart piece by piece. And you know what I learned? My lesson off of that was uh, it is easier to take something apart than it is to put something back together. (laughs) We got that thing back together, and I don't know. We never figured out. We had parts left over, so we were just kind of joking with each other. It's like, well, I don't know. It runs, so. <laughs> it's easier to take things apart than it is to put things back together. That's what my grandkids are learning right now as well. They bring me these toys, and then they go, they, they tear them apart, and they bring them, hey, Grandpa, would you put this back together? It's like, okay, this is like the 10th time. So, you know, it is easier uh, to take them apart than it is to put back uh, together. The Bible opens uh, in Genesis. It's the story of creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was perfect. It wasn't messed up. There was no sin. There was no, no shame. And we were in God's presence. Everything was shiny and new. And we were walking with God in his presence. And, and two chapters later, things you know get messed up. Two chapters later, we run into the serpent who said... Did God really say to you that you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And no sooner do we get this perfect world created that it gets messed up. And we are still trying to put it back together. (laughs) It's just you can't. Some things we can only accomplish in God's strength and in his timing. We're still trying to put the pieces back together of this fallen and broken world. You know, the Bible tells a story of redemption. We've got the fall at the beginning, and then the whole Bible tells a story about God's redeeming mankind and putting things back together. The bad news is that the world's fallen and messed up. It's broken. The good news is that through Christ, we can begin to recover and pursue God's original design for us. And so the Bible tells a story about redemption, and then we get to the end, and we have access to the tree of life again. You know, last week, we saw the importance of our sharing our stories. Sharing our stories with others, it, it takes an intentional activity. It's an intentional time. Whether we're recording our stories or whether we're writing our stories down, whether we're making a, a prayer request. You know, telling our stories is something that we have to take intentional time to do. To do Telling our stories is, is a courageous sharing of what God is doing in our lives, both the good and the bad. And telling our stories is important because it's the result of an overflowing proclamation of God's faithfulness and his goodness. We looked at Exodus 18 last week, and we talked about the fact that Moses went into the tent with his father-in-law and told Jethro all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh, to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come, and how the Lord had delivered them. And so sharing our stories is celebrating the great things that God's doing, and it's, it's also sharing the things that are hard in life. And so I think there's a tendency when we gather together on Sunday morning that many people come into the church for the first time and they think these people have it all figured out and and the opposite is true. We don't. You know, this is not a, this is not it's a place where definitely we can celebrate the sovereignty and faithfulness of God. It's it's good for us to be able to encourage each other and talk about God's faithfulness, but it's also an opportunity for us to share our brokenness. Share those things that are obstacles for us. It's in those sharing of stories that we find rejoicing. Today, we're going to be looking at the importance of hope. It's important that we share our stories, and God is writing stories in each of our lives, and your story is important. You know, those prayer requests on the wall over there, there are 301 prayer requests on the wall to your right, and there are 41 prayer requests on the wall to your left. And so what is that? 342 prayer requests that we've shared over the last couple weeks, and God knows what's on every single one of our hearts. He knows the stories that he's writing in our lives. And as we share that, he gives us opportunity to rejoice. As we share that, it's where we find God's faithfulness. It's where we find hope. Each one of those post-it notes, every one of your stories, every one of our stories is a reflection of the struggles that we're going through. They're stories of resilience. They're stories of a reflection of unwavering faith and trust that God does, in fact, have a plan. You know, there are people that are facing harsh realities. There are stories that are the foundation of our hope and gratitude. And these are the same reflections that we find as we move through the book of Exodus. You see, the book of Exodus tells us a story of God's faithfulness. It tells us a story about how we can have gratitu- gratitude in spite of our circumstances, and it certainly tells us how we can have Hope, as we look at the Israelites, move through bondage, deliverance, journey through the wilderness, as we look at God's law, His covenant, and what it means to dwell with Him in the tabernacle. And we're going to be talking about that as we move through this series. But each one of these are a reflection that we find in hope in the midst of circumstances. There's gratitude in deliverance. There's joy in the journey. There's joy in our covenant relationship with God. Exodus begins with, you know, adversity. It begins with adversity, and it's against that backdrop that we find out that God, in fact, does have a plan that unfolds in a way that we can be grateful and we can find hope. We find hope that is revealed to us throughout the past. We find hope that we can experience in the the present, and then we find hope that we can anticipate as we think about the future. And so if you brought a Bible with you, you can turn with me to Exodus chapter 1, or if you're listening online, there's a link you can click to open a Bible up, or you can just listen along with me as I begin to read in Exodus chapter 1. It says this, These are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob. Each one came with his household. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. All the descendants of Jacob were 70 persons. Joseph was already in Egypt, and Joseph died and all his brothers and all the generation. But the people of Israel were faithful, and they increased greatly, and they multiplied, and they grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. You know, these verses... Are picking up right where the book of Exodus ends, minus about 350 years. So there's a gap between the end of Genesis and the beginning of Exodus. But the generations, the sons of Israel, tie to right where we find at the very beginning of of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 9, or in chapter 49, at the very end of the book. In Genesis chapter 49, it said, Jacob called his sons. And he said, gather yourselves together that I may tell you what will happen to you in the days that are to come. And so at the beginning, at the end of Genesis, you know, Jacob's called his sons together, the the 12 tribes of Israel. you got Reuben in verse 3. You've got Simeon and Levi in verse 5. You've got Judah in verse 8. You've got uh, Zebraim in verse 13. You've got Issachar in 14. Dan is in verse 16. Gad is in 19. Asher is in 20. Nephtali is in 21. In verse 22, you see Joseph is the fruitful burrow. And then when you get to the end of 49, you see Benjamin. And it says this in verse 49, chapter 49, in beginning of verse 28, it says this These are all the twelve tribes of Israel. And this is what their father said to them as he was blessing them, blessing each with a blessing that was suitable to them. In verse 33, it says, When Jacob had finished commanding his sons, he drew up his feet into the bed, and he breathed his last and he was gathered with his people. The very last chapter in Genesis, chapter 50, it says, Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him and kissed him. Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father so that the physicians could embalm Israel. Forty days were required for it, for that is how many were required for embalming, and the Egyptians wept with them for 70 days. If you move over to verse 15, it says, when Joseph's brothers saw their father was dead they said may it be that joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him because joseph's brother had buried him and and put him in slavery and so that's how he even found himself in egypt and so the brothers are thinking that joseph is now wanting some retribution so they sent a message to joseph saying your father gave this command before he died say to joseph please forgive the transgressions of your brothers and their sin because they did evil And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of God your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. And his brothers came and they fell down before him. And they said, Behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, Don't fear, for I am in the place of God. As for you, you meant it evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are in fact today. Don't fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them, and he spoke kindly to them, all 70 of them. The tribe of Israel at this point has 70 people in it. And they find themselves gathered around together in Egypt. And he says, I'm going to provide for all of you, all 70 of you. And so at this point, Israel numbers among a whopping 70 people. Now, in Genesis chapter 21, there's a promise to uh, Abraham. God makes a promise to Abraham in Genesis 22. In verse 15, it said, The angel of the Lord called to Abraham and said to him, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and not withheld your son, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of its enemies and your offspring and all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. And so God promises Abraham this huge blessing, which right now numbers 70 in Egypt. And so that blessing is something that is carried forward as you move through Genesis. In fact, uh, when you get to uh, uh, Genesis chapter 32, Jacob is going to claim this promise for himself when he's in fear of his brother Esau trying to kill him. In verse uh, 11 of chapter 32, uh, Jacob said, please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he might come and attack me and the mothers with the children. But you said, surely you're going to do good and you're going to make your offspring at the sand, as the sand of the sea which can't be numbered among the multitude. And so Jacob's saying, I can't be killed because I've got this promise that needs to be fulfilled, that the offspring are going to be numbered among the stars in the sand of the sword. And so he got this promise that is carrying through the book of Genesis, that finds its fulfillment at the end of Genesis. And as you move into Exodus chapter 1, we find the people of Israel gathered together, 70 in number. But it's in two verses later that we're going to see they multiply. All the descendants were of Jacob were 70 persons. Joseph was already Egypt, in Egypt. And then in verse 7, two verses later, but the people of Israel were fruitful and they increased greatly and they multiplied and they grew exceedingly strong so that the land was completely filled with them. <laughs> I, love, I love the imagery of that. You know, it's like uh, when you look over a field, you just see nothing but rabbit or bunny heads. You know, It's just the land is completely filled with Israelites. And so we see we move from 70 to the land being completely filled with them. It's being overtaken with them. There are so many, there are too many to number, and we see the promise of God begin to be fulfilled. And so their numbers have grown. But as a result of their numbers growing, so does the fear in the hearts of those that are in power. And so their numbers have grown. And and in verse 8, it says there arose a new king in Egypt. Remember, there's there's, there's a couple hundred years later, there's a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he's looking at this large number of Israelites and thinking, hey, this is going to be a problem for me. And so he says in verse 9, he says to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are, are too many, and they're too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply, and if war breaks out, they join our enemies and they fight against us, and they escape from the land. We, are to, we need to set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. And they built for Pharaoh store cities, Pittim and Ramses. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and the more they spread abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. And so in the midst of this extreme opposition and despair, we're going to find hope this morning. You see, Pharaoh wanted to deal shrewdly with the Israelites. And to deal shrewdly is to deal in a, in a negative way that results in, in an advantage towards somebody. If, so if I'm dealing shrewdly with somebody, I'm dealing negatively in a way with them that's going to benefit me positively. And so he says, let's deal with them shrewdly. And then he says, we need to set taskmasters over them. And the taskmasters were the ones that assigned burdensome tasks to others. And then they supervised them harshly. And then he said, we need to have somebody that, we need to have taskmasters over them and, and we want to afflict them. We want to, we want to cause them pain. We want to cause them trouble. And this is all happening intentionally. And so we need to deal with them shrewdly. We want taskmasters over them. We want to afflict them and we want to give them heavy burdens that are going to cause them a great difficulty." Extremely hard work. And it's in the midst of the extreme opposition that the Israelites are facing and the despair that they're facing that we're going to find this hope that comes up from the past. You know, the more they were oppressed, what happened? The more they multiplied and the more they spread abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. See, the promises of God were not going to be thwarted. God's promise that they were going to be numbered greatly, like the numbers of the stars and the sand, that promise is true. And that promise is where we find hope. That promise is in the past, and it's carrying forward through Genesis to the very beginning of Exodus. And so we find that our hope is rooted in the past promises of God. And so in order to find hope, we we have to look back Hope is rooted in in God's promises from the past that he's going to be faithful and his will will be done. Hope is rooted in God's promises from the past. And so hope is not just a future reality. It is rooted in the sovereignty, the faithfulness, the goodness, and the greatness of God. God is faithful. And our hope is rooted in his promises from the past. As we move through verse 8 through 12, we see that in spite of all their plans, um, the more they were oppressed, the more they were multiplied. And so in verse 13, Pharaoh says, we need to deal more ruthlessly with the people of Israel. We need to work them as slaves We to make their lives bitter. We need to make it hard with service and mortar and brick and all kinds of work in the field. In all their work, they ruthlessly need to be working as slaves. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Sapphira and the other named Pua, you know, you serve as a midwife to the Hebrew women and you sit with them on the footstool. I want you to do this. If it is a son, I want you to kill the son. But if it's a daughter, you shall let them live. And so in the midst of this terrible oppression, we see it gets even worse but God's promises that are rooted in the past are not going to be thwarted. Our hope is firmly rooted in the promises of God from the past, but it's also a present reality. See, our hope is also experienced in the present. You know, Pharaoh has told these midwives that they are to put to death any males that are born. You can let the females live, but I want the males put to death and, and and it's in that verse that comes right at the end of this command that I want to focus our time together. The midwives don't do it. Pharaoh says, When you serve as a midwife and you see them on the birth stool, if it's a son, kill him, but if it's a daughter, she shall live. The midwives did what? They didn't just claim the promises of God from the past. They in the present are making a decision to fear God instead. The midwives feared God, and they did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but they let the male children live. And so in the midst of this hope, you know, it's not just rooted in our past. It's something that we can experience in their presence as we choose to place our eyes and our focus on the personal work of God. So Christ is a central focus for us. Our hope is found in a reality of what that means for us today. It's not just promises from the past, but there are choices that we can make today that enable us to experience hope now in the present. And I want to share with you a very fundamental truth. Are you ready? You will not find hope from the things of this world. You will not find hope from anything in this world. Your money is going to let you down. Your job is going to let you down. Your government is going to let you down. Your health is going to let you down. People are going to let you down. I might even let you down. I would like to think not. (laughs) Although I'd like to think better, everything in this world is going to let you down. You know, we experience hope in the present only as we focus on God in obedience to His word. You see, the midwives made a choice, and it's easy for us to succumb and, and to give in to the pressure of the people around us. You know, for twenty something years, I I prayed for my kids, and I always prayed that God that you would that you would protect them and that and that they would influence the people around them and not be influenced by them. This world will try to conform you into its likeness. And we have to make a choice to stand against that. And so we don't give in to peer pressure. We have to focus on the things that God has commanded us to do. We focus on him and and his command and obedience to him. and, And it's there that we will experience hope in the presence. You know, to fear God, to be afraid of God is to not have a, you know, that uh, an unhealthy kind of a fear. The, The fear of God that is healthy is, it's about having a deep desire to have a relationship with him, to know him, and to want to have a relationship with him, to trust him, to serve him, and to be in awe of him. And so we experience hope in the presence as we focus on God as the midwives did. The midwives feared God. There was a relationship that they had with Him that enabled them to make choices in the present that enabled them to have hope. And that hope's gonna carry us forward into experiencing hope in the future as we think about the birth of Moses and what that means for us today and what that means for us ultimately that we find in Christ. And so if we're going to experience hope in the presence, it is rooted in understanding what it means to have a relationship with God. The midwives feared God, and it's in that fear that we're able to experience hope. In fact, in Proverbs nine ten, it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. We have nothing to fear when we are standing firmly in who we are in Christ. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is talking to his uh, disciples, and and they're they're afraid of this. They're afraid of that. And they they don't want to share their faith with anybody. They're just they're afraid of all kinds of stuff. And in Matthew chapter ten, Jesus says this this in verse twenty six: Have no fear. There is nothing that is covered that will not be revealed. There is nothing that is hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, I want you to say in the light. What you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather Fear him who can destroy both the body and the soul in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Not one of them falls to the ground apart from the will and plan of your father. Even the hairs of your head are numbered. You have nothing to fear. You are more value than these sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven, but whoever denies me before men, I will deny before my Father who is in heaven. We have nothing to fear in this world for those of us that are in Christ. And so if we're going to experience hope today, experience it as God intended it, we have to keep our eyes focused on him because everything in this world is going to let us down. There's a uh, hymn that was written in uh, 19 or 1834. It was written by a guy named uh, Edward Moat. It's called, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. It goes like this. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but lean only on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Everything around us is sinking. It's on Christ that we find the solid rock. We find that in Matthew. And in chapter uh, 7, Jesus tells the parable about a house that's built on the rock. He said, everyone who hears my words and does them is going to be like a wise man whose house is built on a rock. The rains fell, the floods came, the winds blew, and they beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been formed on the rock, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them are going to be like the foolish man whose house is on the sand. But for those that have built their house on solid ground, that house is going to withstand. Hope that is not easily shaken, hope that is steadfast and sees us through the most obstinate circumstances in our life. The hope that endures, the hope that is steadfast, the hope that matters, the hope that we can experience in the presence is found through our relationship with Christ and our relationship with God. And so the promises of God are what sustain us is from the past as we move towards the present. But as we focus on him and on his word and obedience, it's there that we find hope in the present. You know, hope is rooted in the promises of God from the past that is experienced in the present. And then hope is something that we anticipate with the future. As we read through Exodus chapter 1 and 2, we find various aspects of resilience. We find uh, unexpected sources of hope. We find divine providence. We find the anticipation of a future redemption. As we move into chapter 2, we see that a you know, man from the house of Levi is going to come and take with him a, a Levite wife. They would conceive and bear a son. And when she saw he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. And when she could not hide him any longer, she took him, put him in a basket, daubed it with pitch, and she put the child and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. And as the sister stood at a distance to know what would be done of him, the, the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river. And while she was down there. She sees the basket among the reeds, and she sends her servant girl, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child. And she said, Behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him. This is one of the Hebrew children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew woman to, to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said, Go. So the girl went and got the child's mother, and Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child and nurse him, and I will give you wages. And so as a result of the faithfulness of the midwives, as as God's plan unfolds, not only does Moses' mom get to keep her child, but she gets paid for it. Isn't that a blessing? (laughs) When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. And Moses would go on to lead his people out of slavery and set up for us the foundation for what we now find in Christ. When you read through the genealogy of Matthew, when you read for Jesus, you know, we find Jesus, like Moses, his family fleeing because of the children that were supposed to be put to death, and so the parallels between Moses or Jesus are uh, can't be underestimated, and I wish I had another 30 minutes, because I would love to dive into chapter, you know, one of Matthew and talk about the genealogy of Jesus and look at the parallels, but... You know, the ultimately, that you know, as we think about the hope that we have for, for the for the Hebrews, as we read through Exodus, we see that the hope was in in what God was going to accomplish through Moses, as the Israelites are delivered from slavery, as they become God's chosen people, and He establishes a covenant with Him, with His presence ultimately being filling the temple with curtains that would be torn over, torn open, when Christ would be crucified on the cross and breathe His last, and, and now we have direct access to God. And so now we have the Holy Spirit living us and we're living temples unto the Lord. And so as this story unfolds and we think about our future, the hope that we have now in Christ lies in that when he does return to a relationship with him, we're going to spend eternity with him in heaven. And so our hope is rooted in the promises of the past. We get to experience it today as we pray for one another, as we encourage one another, as we study and apply God's word together. And hope is something that we get to anticipate in the future as we think about the promises of God and what that means for us. Our hope is found in God's word. In Romans 15, Paul says, whatever was written in these former days was written for our instruction. The book of Exodus is relevant for us today because those promises of God then were experienced back then in the future. They're relevant for us today because we are now God's chosen people because of who we are in Christ. And everything that was written in the past was for our instruction that through our endurance, as we live out our faith and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have what? We might have hope. And so our hope is rooted in the past. We experience it in the present and we experience it as we anticipate the hope that we have because of who we are in Christ. Paul's writing to Timothy in chapter 4, he says, to this end we toil and we strive because we have our hope set on the living God, past, present, and future, who is the Savior of all people, especially for those who believe. And so we live in a time right now where people would have you place your hope in other things. We live in a time where our culture would have us build ourselves up and place our help in ourselves. And from a biblical perspective, though, we know that gratitude and hope are things that are rooted in understanding our identity in Christ. We understand that gratitude is an an outpouring of our sharing our stories with one another. And and gratitude is a theme that is gonna serve us as we move through the year. But gratitude can only be an outpouring if we understand the reality of the hope that we have, if we share our stories and understand the reality of where true hope lies. And so I want to encourage you this morning, if, if you are without hope, if you want more hope, if, you're look, if you know somebody that needs hope, <laughs> hope is found in Christ and in Christ alone. And so if you have questions about how to have a relationship with Christ, we'd love the opportunity to talk with you about what that looks like. And so having a relationship with Christ, living in fear of God is an understanding that he is perfect and we are not. We are separated and we need a relationship with his son to be found in right standing with him. And so we believe that Jesus Christ is God. We believe that he died on the cross for our sins. We believe that we can ask him to come into our life and take residence in our life. And we can believe. And so that's what it means to believe. You know, we believe that Jesus is God. He died on the cross for our sins and through our relationship with him, we have Hope, hope that is rooted in the past that we can experience today and we can anticipate in the future. And if you've got questions about that, we'd love the opportunity to talk with you. If you've got a story you'd like to share, we'd like to celebrate that with you. But as we move through this series in excess, we're praying that we would experience more of the power and presence of the Holy Spirit working in our life. May it be so. Father, we just thank you for this day you've given us today. And uh, we thank you. That uh, that we have an everlasting hope that is that's unshakable, God. We thank you that through your faithfulness in the past that we can that we can be assured that you will continue to work in the presence. And God, that's the hope that we that we celebrated this morning when we came together to celebrate communion. It was a hope that we know that you're going to return. And God, we just thank you for that empty grave. We we thank you for that empty tomb and for the reality what that means for us as we as we start to celebrate you know, moving through the Exodus, as we prepare ourselves for what you would have for us, as we move towards Resurrection Sunday. Uh, God, I thank you for this day you've given us today. God, I pray that you continue to strengthen us in our faith. We commit this day to you, and for your glory we pray these things. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Stand as we continue in worship this morning. Uniquely chosen, each and every one of us to have a relationship with you, God. We thank you and we praise you for that. We thank you, Church. This morning, as we prepare to leave this place, I want to encourage you. We have a hope in Christ that is found through the sacrifice that he has shown for us and through that he has called us to a unique and close relationship with him and through walking in that close relationship he blesses us in a way that we couldn't even imagine as we leave this place Let's go knowing that he has uniquely called us, chosen us, and picked out the plan for us. Let's go in peace this morning knowing that and sharing that with those that we interact with. Being an example just like Jesus was to us. Thank you. Amen.